Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. Tunnel to Towers Foundation presents the Judge Janine Bureau Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau. Joining us now, Jonathan Morris, uh, who has the uh, the experience of not getting a lot of sleep these days because he is the father of a uh, young, beautiful baby. Good morning, uh, Jonathan. How are you feeling today? <laughs> Good. You know, and I look back on all the years that I was a Catholic priest, as you know, Judge Janine, and I, I saw all those those parents out there in the pews with babies. And um, yes, of course, intellectually, I knew it was difficult, but now I know it on an experiential level. This little 14 year old, <laughs> so sweet, but you know, loves to wake up at 4:30 in the morning. And I have a, uh, a new and um, I would say deep respect for parents everywhere. <laughs> well, we have a deep respect for you, Jonathan Morris, and we're very happy uh, to see you in this role as a father and enjoying the the wonders of parenthood, it is fantastic. And uh, the the idea of being able to bring another person into the world, the miracle of life, is yeah. something that is so precious. But you know, uh, Jonathan, the the crazy part about what's going on today with religion is the fact that after the pandemic, we lost so many people, and here we are, literally on Christmas Day. Uh, you know, recognizing the fact that religion is not as 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 powerful as it was. We've lost like 20 percent, 40 percent of people coming to church now. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, not only are we seeing numbers decline in church attendance, but we are seeing massive declines, especially over the last 10 years. But it really goes back to the 50s of percentage of people who say, I know I am not affiliated or I do not belong to any particular religion at all. Um, some The sociologists sometimes call these the, the nuns, N-O-N-E-S, meaning they belong to none. Um, and not only here in the United States, uh, we see in Europe a decline that was much more precipitous. In fact, in, in England, a, a very traditionally Christian nation, even with a church state, a state, excuse me, a state church, right? The, the Church right, of England. Right. We have now, for the first time ever, less than 50% of Brits call themselves Christian. Um, and that's, that's a combination, of course, of, of major immigration, especially among um, Muslims. But it's also a, a decline of, of people whose parents and grandparents were Christian who now call themselves um, the nuns, those who are not affiliated with anything. Well, the crazy part of it is, you know, this is a nation that was found on Judeo-Christian ethics. Um, You know, when I was a judge, my courtroom, you know, above where I sat, above the bench said, in God we trust. Our money says in God we trust. Uh, And yet all of a sudden, and it's partly a product of, I guess a lot of people, you know, just deciding that they don't need God in their lives. But there's also a woke component to it where, you know, the the people on the left, the progressive woke people, don't think that religion has any part or should have any part in our lives. I understand the separation of church and state. But what I don't understand is why they are looking to, you know, denigrate and humiliate those people who believe in God and believe in religion. Yeah, there will always be some extremists who do that. But here's the more important thing, Judge Janine. You mentioned 
the honor dollar bill we have in God we trust. I'm from Ohio. The state motto is in God we trust. Now, if that's just tradition and it's not true, in other words, if we actually don't trust in God and we just trust the dollar, those those extremists will very easily be able to push their agenda onto the majority. Why? Because what is not actually experienced as true will fall. Um, and I right. think that's, this is what's happening with religious practice. Um, so many people say a generation ago, okay, let's say my parents, they, they would have said, oh, I'm Catholic uh, because my parents were Catholic. Okay, right. that works for one generation, two generations. It doesn't work for me, and it certainly will not work for my for my child, right? It, unless you have a, a deeply personal experience that something is true, that something is good, that something is beautiful, eventually it will be knocked over by whoever wants to knock it over. So you, you asked, I have no, no idea about your children Judge Janine, but I see it all over, including among siblings of mine. Right. right? If, if, if you don't, if your parents just said you're Catholic because you're Catholic, you're evangelical because we're evangelical, you're Jewish because we're Jewish, eventually that will fall if there's not a personal experience. If it hasn't been passed down, this is something that you can experience yourself. We go to church not because we have to, but because we want to. Because right. we have a we've had a personal experience with God. That's the difference. Well, but but the ability to have a personal experience with God is is shaped by the people that we live with. I mean, obviously, yes. if you live in a home where, you know, church is is mandatory, where the rosary is mandatory, as it was in my home. Uh, and, you know, religion was the essence of, of your family life. You know, it was God, yep. you know, and, and country and education came third. Um, and the amazing, the amazing thing is that today with the, the criticism and the taking down by the atheist or the nuns as N-O-N-E as you call them, you know, people are being led to think that, that religion is, is almost something that is a negative thing and that they're looking to yeah. take it out of everyone's lives. So it's not just that society is neutered or, or or is not taking a position. Society is taking a position. And it's not just about the separation of church and state. The position is religion has no place in this world. We're so advanced. You know, we're so technologically advanced. We're scientifically advanced. You know, this is just something that, that older people thought about. And on today, uh, on a day like today, Christmas, the day that, that we honor the day as Jesus being born, you know, we, it's, it's disappointing. And all the indicators are that religion is going to be less and less a factor in people's lives. Yeah, my guess, and not only my guess, I know it, that right now in Ukraine and in some parts of Russia, faith is alive. Why? Because in midst in the midst of crisis, right? And this could happen in the United States as well: economic crisis, political strike, crisis, uh, whatever. Then all of a sudden we start questioning. Oh, yeah, it was it was easy to say religion or faith is stupid. When everything is going well, when our bank accounts give us security, oh, so true. when our health is good, but it, it, that's not enough. 
when the bombs are flying, when we lose our jobs, when we get sick. And sadly, sometimes it takes that to wake us up. Um, Faith might be diminished, but God is the same. God bless you. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us on this Christmas morning. The Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnels to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a Fox Nation host and a Fox News contributor. She is the host of Tommy Lahren is Fearless on OutKick. And trust me, folks, she is fearless. Tommy Lahren uh, serves as a Fox News media contributor as well as the exclusive voice of Fox News commentary on Fox News Audio. Let me tell you something, folks. This woman is a superstar. I knew when I had my show, Justice with Judge Janine, for uh, 11 years on Saturday nights. She is a pistol. She doesn't stop. She doesn't take a breath. If you're on the wrong side of Tommy Lahren, you better watch out. So, Tommy, good morning, and welcome this Sunday to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Judge, thank you for having me, and I learn for the best. Anytime anybody asks me, who is your favorite person on Fox News Channel, it is an immediate answer. It is Judge Janine, and you are a mentor and an inspiration to me. Well, thank you so much. All right, Tommy, a lot to get to today. Now, it seems that uh, things can't get any more big brother than the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, this week saying, we're all keeping a close eye on Twitter and we're all going to make sure that Elon Musk is uh, that we moderate his content. In the meantime, Tim Cook, who is making sure that the airdrop on Apple is not available to the protesters in China, is the left's hero. Why is there such a dichotomy where the White House is only looking to shut down what is a constitutional mandate that is free speech? Well, listen, we know how the left and the Democrats operate, and free speech terrifies them. They are afraid of Elon Musk because they know they cannot control Elon Musk. And that's the same way it was with Donald Trump. I mean, they're very similar in a lot of ways. Somebody that is self-made, has their own money, does not cater to special interests. The left is terrified of those people because they always seek control. But beyond just Apple... Why has the Biden White House not been concerned at all about communist TikTok, which is tracking Americans, storing our data? It's run by the Chinese Communist Party, and yet they don't have their eye on TikTok. Donald Trump was the only president, the only leader who really was serious about doing something about TikTok. But the White House doesn't seem too concerned, probably because they have so many TikTok influencers parading around the White House pushing vaccines. Well, you know what's amazing about that is that Donald Trump did warn us, and he was very clear about it, but when it was in in its infancy, and he kept telling us what was going on with TikTok, look, I am so tired of China, and the fact, look, for me, the pandemic was enough. For me, not letting the West know when they knew in November of 2019 about the uh, uh, coronavirus. And yet every time we turn around, Joe Biden is in a position where he is complimenting them. You know, they're great people. China is this. I've got some quotes somewhere that I'll find in a second. I mean, Joe Biden is someone who is kowtowing to China and yet willing to violate the Supreme Court's fundamental free speech, which is absolutely amazing, Tommy, that we're even talking about this 
in, you know, 2022. You know, the right to express yourselves without government interference is a fundamental right that we have. And the Supreme Court says the government has to provide substantial justification for interference with the right of free speech. And yet from the White House podium, they are proud to say we're going to monitor it. They even had a disinformation board that they wanted to get out there to let us know what's what's truthful and what's misinformation. All of a sudden, we're too stupid to figure that out ourselves. These people are totalitarian dictators. Well, and they feel like they need to spoon spoon feed us the information that they want us to absorb. You know, I think the only way we're going to combat this outside of Elon Musk just holding strong is I think the Republicans, now that we have a House majority, we need to make sure we're investigating. We need to be investigating all these big tech companies that were colluding with the White House during COVID to push their COVID policies. They were emailing back and forth trying to get uh, parody Fauci accounts shut down on Instagram. Maybe we should investigate some of that, put the heat back on them, and then maybe we can have a free speech platform on Twitter like we're all enjoying right now. Well, yeah, and that is something that I mean, we shouldn't even have this discussion right now. I mean, that we're even discussing this is amazing. And I found the quotes. In 2011, Joe Biden said, a rise in China is a good idea. In 2013, he said China is a great nation. In 2015, he said China was a significant asset to the world. In 2019, you know, China, they're not bad people. Uh, uh, and they're good folks. You know, give me a break. How much influence does Hunter Biden and his parading around the world and sucking up money from all these countries, especially the CCP, influencing his father? And, you know, the sad part about it, Tommy Laren, uh, is that Hunter Biden will be, you know, investigated. There will They will be able to show that but for the suppressing of the Hunter Biden laptop story that Twitter now admits was a mistake, uh, you know, that Joe Biden might not be president right now. I mean, this affects big elections. Oh, it absolutely does. And it's nice that we're finally getting that admission, that validation. You know, Judge, all the conspiracy theories that we've had for the last several years, one by one, knock them down. They've all happened to come true, but too little, too late. So we all deserve an apology. But I think the Hunter Biden investigation, I'm happy that there's going to be an investigation. But I'm at the point, Judge, where I'm concerned that the majority of Americans don't even care anymore. They don't even care if the sitting president was selling out the White House selling out the Oval Office and maybe continuing to do so to protect his son. I don't know if the American people care. And it's really unfortunate that they've been so brainwashed to believe that anything a Democrat does is valid and justified. But that might be where we are. And I think social media and the narrative has a lot to do with that. Tommy Lahren, you hit the nail on the head. The truth is that the American people at this point, when I have a discussion with someone and I say, you know, this person is wrong. These are the facts. They'll say to me, well, it really depends upon what they were thinking and whether or not they believe those are the facts. No, these are the objective facts. But you're right. I'm not sure the American people care. I'm not sure they don't just say, you know what? All politicians are corrupt. No, they're not. No, they're not. But let me move on to something else uh, very quickly. Look, uh, America's fentanyl insanity has hit a new low with a baby almost dying in San Francisco. That's Nancy Pelosi's playground because apparently the baby somehow ingested or inhaled some fentanyl uh, uh, in a park in San Francisco. And 95% of the fentanyl is coming through the southern border. And they don't care about that. 
I mean, what do you think the agenda is of the left? These guys are in politics. They know the impact of every word. And either they're not all on the same page or they just don't have the balls to follow through. I really think that's it. I think everyone is compromised. That's why we need term limits. That's why we need to say to people, and I get the value of the institutionalization of knowledge and and, and people who've got experience. I mean, I know that. But at the same time, I mean, one hand washes the other. And even when it comes to stock sales, I mean, they come out and they say, yeah, yeah, we passed legislation that we're going to make sure that nobody profits off of insider trading information. Well, that bill is so wet. It's like a wet noodle. It means literally nothing. So, uh, you know, at the end, I just think that, you know, it's a it's a system where one hand washes the other, the left and the right, which is the rhinos and why they had so much trouble with Donald Trump. He was interested in doing for the American people and protecting them from the uh, and building the wall, and yet the Republicans weren't supporting him. Uh, you know, the, the the left is now saying, uh, and this gets me crazy. The MSNBC, they're saying, you know, this media hype, you know, it's all being overhyped the uh, on the border, and now they're moving the air marshals who were on planes quietly on airplanes. I'm sure you know them when you see them. Mm-hmm. I certainly know them when I see them. Uh, and now only 1% of the air marshals are on the airplanes, Tommy. And they are now being moved to the border to, to take care of the illegals who are surging the border. I mean, how stupid are we? This We're coming up on a season when everybody is traveling, families, loved ones, traveling to enjoy the holidays with each other. And we're moving the, uh, uh, the air marshals off the airplanes to take care of the illegals. Yeah, and beyond that, they're they're going down to do a job they're not trained for. They're going to babysit illegal immigrants, run around, run errands, get them their prescriptions. I mean, this is asinine. But, you know, <laughs> if we're going to talk about travel, I have an idea, Judge. The yeah. air marshals that we're sending to the border, instead, why don't we put them on these planes and these buses and bus these illegal immigrants to those blue cities, and we can just get a whole bunch going because now that we know the Democrats are really not going to – play ball when it comes to the border because they didn't lose on that issue in the midterms. I think we need to continue busing and flying illegal immigrants to all these blue cities. There should be no reason why we don't ramp that up. We should have DeSantis Airlines running full-time, Greg Abbott Airlines running full-time, put the air marshals there, and let's show these blue cities what they voted for. Well, you know what? You are so right. And, you know, the, the, at least you got someone like DeSantis and Abbott. And, you know, when, when the left kept saying, oh, this is just a ploy or this is just a this. No, I don't care what you call it. To me, it's called equality. You're looking for equity every day of the week. You're looking for, you know, equality and outcomes. Well, how about you share the burden? How about you share the fact that our schools are being overrun, that we are have to hire teachers who speak different languages? And we're not just talking talking about Hispanics. We're talking about people from uh, 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 like India, Pakistan, uh, all over the world. They're coming through the southern border. And we, the education system in this country, you know, when people say America is great, and it is, and I, I, I have a flag flying in front of my house. My dad was a veteran. My granddad fought in World War II, all that stuff. You know, at some point, we have to take care of the American children. It's no wonder that our schools are, are sub-rate 
sub-rater are not doing as well as schools around the world and our students are not doing as well. I mean, we are constantly being flooded by immigrants who are slowing down the kids' learning process. And then, you know, you've got the drugs that are involved as well. And I just want to move on to one more thing. Do you know why they don't have a drug problem in China, Tommy Laren? Why is that, Judge? If you're caught selling drugs, they kill you. They kill you. That's why they don't have a drug problem in China. They're happy to send the fentanyl, market it through the southern border, through the uh, uh, cartels. But nobody is a drug addict in China. People don't talk about this, Tommy. They don't talk about it because they're afraid to admit that maybe that's how you handle it. China will kill you if you sell drugs in China. How's that for well, and meanwhile, Judge, in, in the wonderful state of California, they're releasing thousands and thousands of sex offenders and pedophiles. So, you know, what crime yep. gets you locked behind bars these days in the United States? All right, Tommy Laird, you, you are absolutely the best. Everybody, you got to listen to Tommy. Uh, she is not just a Fox News contributor. She is also on OutKick. She is fearless. And uh, she is a superstar, as you could tell from this interview. And I want to thank you, Tommy, for staying uh, with us and sharing some of your insights. We love you. Take- Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Take care. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is a Fox News contributor and a rotating host on the Fox News show, The Five, which is the one I'm on. She sits to my left, and uh, although we battle it out politically, we are friends. So join me in welcoming Jessica Tarloff to the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. A little bit about Jessica. She joined Fox News uh, as a contributor, I believe, in 2017. But uh, she actually uh, has a Ph.D., uh, having gone to the London School of Economics, she has a doctorate in a philosophy, a philosophy and political science and government. She's a really bright lady. Uh, she's a woman, I should say. She slowly became recognized for her expertise on the topic of politics. And uh, she is also a senior director for research and consumer insight with uh, Bustle. Uh, and we are thrilled to have her on today. All right, so Jessica, why don't you give us the 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 lowdown on what your impression was of the election on Tuesday in terms of how much we know so far? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a, a pleasure <laughs> to be with you on your radio show, as it is every time that I get to sit next to you on the five. Yeah. Um, my impressions of what's gone on so far is that it was obviously a bit surprising for Republicans who thought that they were looking at a red wave, a red tsunami coming, um, and that at the ballot box it played out a little differently, I think principally because of the issue of abortion, which has been such a hot topic um, since the jobs rolling in the summer. And so that was something that I think people really didn't see coming. And frankly, the polls weren't showing that either. It had kind of slipped to the fourth or fifth most important right. issue. And, right. and then it took on uh, new importance when people actually went to cast their votes. And did we find that out, Jessica, based on the exit polling? 
Exactly. Yeah. Very early on exit polls um, from our network and from other networks were showing that abortion by far and away, it was uh, started at 44, then it ended up being a 53 point advantage for Democrats on the abortion issue. It was the number one issue for Democrats and a lot of independents. um, And it was the number two issue nationally. And Republicans really needed it to be inflation as the number one, which it was, but then to be crime and policing or something else that favored them in order to have the night that they expected. Well, clearly, um, you know, everybody thought and, you know, as we all pontificated that, you know, it, abortion is an issue, of course, and it really is about sending it back to the states. But at the same time, you know, you buy groceries every week, you fill up your mm-hmm. gas tank. You know, everyone was so convinced that it was the about the economy, stupid, to use a phrase, uh, mm-hmm. Jessica Tarloff, and I'm not talking about you, obviously. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was just stunning. It was stunning, I think, for Republicans and Democrats uh, that it really, really cut to the core of a midterm election, which historically goes against the president in power. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the outlier in that is obviously George W. Bush, but we were, you know, just post 9-11, right, Mm -hmm. Right, (laughs) and and going into those long wars. And, you know, we were unified as a country and and behind the president at that moment. It's typically not how it goes, even for presidents who have incredible legacies like Ronald Reagan and Bill Clinton. Um, So it was a surprise on that front. Um, Independents were really a huge factor in this. I'm sure you remember the Wall Street Journal survey and a number of other surveys showed this huge swing of independence away from Democrats to Republicans. Um, white suburban women, remember that was a 15-point swing yes. um, predicted the week before the election. Right. Um, and it's really interesting. Stan Greenberg, who's a Democratic pollster, um, just released some data this morning talking about what happened with late breakers, people who decided within the last couple of days of the election, and they overwhelmingly went for Democrats, which is usually not what happens in a midterm. And I think, and we talked about this a little bit on the show on Thursday, that the heightened visibility of Donald Trump, who, whether you know you love him or hate him, is just a lightning rod mm-hmm. through an election, mm-hmm. uh, alienated a lot of people who were willing to back Republicans typically, and then I think saw these flares that this was, you know, more MAGA than Republican. Well, you know, and that really hurt the party. Well, Jessica, this is almost like when you look back at it, when I look back at it, you know, I, I say to myself, it made no sense that Joe Biden was coming out with the MAGAs, the mega MAGAs, and everybody's mm-hmm. like, what is this guy talking about? He's ginning up hate, you know, they're, they're this, they're that. And, you know, I, you know, we all said, well, that's ridiculous. You can't hate half of America. But apparently they knew they were onto something, Jessica Tarloff. They knew that, you know, you tee it up as the MAGA bad people, then the MAGA guy comes out, and it's it's like a, a home run. Well, these are seasoned consultants and political officials and bureaucrats and things, and I, I think that both sides actually, frankly, love to minimize the intelligence of the other people in positions of power, right? Like say, yeah. oh, it's, you know so stupid what they're doing. And I, I can admit it, Mitch McConnell is a genius, right? I mean, yeah. He is able yeah. to maneuver through, you know, not even having a majority sometimes right. and is able to get what he needs to get done. And the second that he does have a majority, suddenly there are hundreds of judges confirmed, right? Yeah. 
which yeah. is really what decides the future of the country anyway. And, um, you know, so Jessica, people, he also sorry. talked about quality candidates, Mitch McConnell. Yeah. I mean, he hit, the, he hit the nail on the head on that one. Well, he was very frustrated um, by what was going on in the primaries. Um, a lot of the Trump-backed uh, candidates he didn't think were going to be winners. Um, when it came down to it, he was right in a lot of cases with that. Um, and I think that he really felt like, let me do my job, right? Like, I'm in this position for a reason. Mm-hmm. I have decades of experience doing this. And he read the climate right. And that was true as well around um, January 6th and the second impeachment, even though he didn't end up voting for it because he knew it wasn't something that was going to go through. He acknowledged how serious what happened on January 6th was for the American public and that we really needed to move past that kind of fervor, right? That kind of election denialism. And I, I remember I gave the example um, of a young woman who votes in New York. We were chatting about her consideration of voting for Lee Zeldin. And I under, I understand that from a lot of people who feel like Kathy Hochul didn't take crime seriously. Obviously that's your position. Problems with uh, the DA Alvin Bragg here and, you know, Krasner and Philly, et cetera. And I said to her that for me, I couldn't vote for someone who did not vote to certify the election. And I know but, a lot but, of people. But let me just let me just interrupt you there for a second, Jessica. I think he said in the beginning it was worth looking at, but he he wasn't one of the ones who was pounding the drum. I mean, I have to come to his, you know, to, to no, his side on that. But, you know, it was in the beginning. Nobody knew what was going on. But in any event, go ahead. In it. In any event, and, you know, we feel differently about this, which is part of the beauty of America, that we can still chat about it. Um, (laughs) But when people went to vote, there's a clear line between folks being able to vote for Republicans, kind of, quote, normal Republicans, people who did vote to certify the election if they were in office, Mm -hmm. or people who were running campaigns that didn't talk about 2020 being false, right, or that Joe Biden wasn't legitimate. They ran on bread and butter issues, which is what midterms are typically about, right? They talked about inflation. They talked about gas prices. They talked about education. They talked well, about keeping the country open. But let's talk uh, about someone like uh, Jessica Tarloff. Let's talk about someone like Stacey Abrams, who mm-hmm. was an election del- denier herself in terms of, you know, voter suppression. And then, of course, in Georgia, we see more people voting uh, you know, prior to the election and early voting than apparently ever. And uh, she she got beat again. But it was such a it, it was such a thorn in the side of America when she kept saying there's voter suppression, there's voter suppression. And, you know, then all of a sudden she gets her butt handed to her in the second time. You know, it, it's like it happens on both sides. But I don't think that's a level of it. I, I think. I think what happened with Stacey Abrams, and I said that she should have conceded right away, which she did this time, the yeah. first time around. She and if you want to run again, that's your prerogative. A lot of people lose their first races. Barack right. Obama lost his first race, right? right. Um, but in terms of saying election denialism at the same level of what was going on with Donald Trump and a lot of the people in his inner circle, and then the fact that all of these people on the ground, people who loved him, felt like the yeah. vote count was wrong. And they had been but robbed. But she Arizona thought the vote count was wrong and that she was robbed. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to belabor this point, Jessica, okay. well, but the point is that they're both candidates who thought the counting was wrong. But having talked about that, let's go to something uh, to me is more fascinating, and that mm-hmm. is this guy Fetterman. Uh, you know, he beats Mehmet Oz. 
uh, in a blue state. Break it down according to, you know, your expertise. Well, early vote mattered, right? A lot of people (laughs) had voted for him before the debate. Um, But it was interesting in the post-debate polls, it became really clear that folks were voting for party, no matter what on this. And they felt like they knew him. He's someone who's been in public service for decades, right? He has a very strong personality. Um, No one felt that they were confused about what kind of bills he would sponsor, how his votes were go. I understand the flip-flopping on fracking is a very big deal, but I think in the context of running against, frankly, a bad quality candidate, right? Someone who doesn't even live in Pennsylvania, the people of the Commonwealth had no choice. Yeah, but you know what? Hillary Clinton didn't live in New York when she ran for senator. I mean, she even went on a listening tour for a year. You know, I mean, that that's kind of an old hit. But but look. Well, I don't know. I mean, Dr. Oz ate crudite at a Wegmans, and he stood up there five days out from the election and said, you know, make sure you vote before the Steelers game and the Steelers aren't playing on Sunday. I should say two days before the election. Oh, I mean, I mean, Fetterman no, couldn't but, get his sentence out. I mean, come on. But, you know, my doctor says I'm okay. And my doctor <laughs> says I'm okay. Come on. I mean, this guy, to me, you could say as a history, his history is letting people, he wants, he, he paroled. Uh, wasn't he on the parole board? All these cop killers, and he wanted murderers out. He wanted mercy for people. I mean, that's how people know him. But well, look, you and I have a different obviously opinion. Obviously not, but he won. Yeah, so he did say win. all of these things. He but did he win. Won You're by right. A clear and decisive margin. Clearly, so, he did. So, but it's the, also Josh Shapiro, and yeah. you've even we've talked about what an outstanding candidate yeah. he was, and a candidate you for governor the, in Pennsylvania, guys. Exactly, it was the lieutenant governor. He also, as a prosecutor, went after the Catholic Church for abuse of little kids, something that everybody can get behind. And similarly to what went on in Georgia, even though they're going to a runoff with Brian Kemp helping Herschel Walker, who is not a good quality candidate either. I think Josh Shapiro, for people, they saw it as a pair, right? You had Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Josh Shapiro, and John Fetterman all standing hands in the air together. And Mm -hmm. that's your ticket. Okay. So, but let's talk about Joe Biden coming in. Okay. So you've got, you've got Joe Biden coming in. To me, he was Mm -hmm. a divisive figure. He talked about unity, but then trashed half of America. And then all of a sudden he comes in and, you know, democracy is going to die if we don't get elected. And, you know, Wednesday, democracy was alive and well. It wasn't dead. So, uh, I mean, I'm not quite sure, you know, he's taking a victory lap. I'm not quite sure about what's going to happen now. What what do you think is going to happen in the Senate? I think that Democrats are are going to win it. I think that uh, when we get to the runoff, it won't be for control of the Senate. I mean, just from what the votes look like now, I think Cortez Masto, she was, so my Senate prediction before the election was that Cortez Masto would lose and that Fetterman would win. So it would be the same, 50-50 with Kamala Harris being right. the tying, you know, the tying vote. Right. Um, Kelly looks to be fine in Arizona, um, and Cortez Masto looks to be in good shape. And then it'll be interesting for Georgia because, you know, this is a purple state that I would say leans conservative, though, and to have the pressure of deciding control of the Senate again, right? This is what happened in 2020, and they decided to vote for two Democratic senators. I think having that pressure off of them um, will really help Warnock, frankly, um, because people won't feel like, 
I'm deciding the control, right? I'm just going with a guy that I think is a better quali- qualified candidate. And I know you have a, you know, that you know the, the Walker yeah, I know family, Herschel. The yeah. Herschel Walker's yeah. family. Um, but you can't deny that this is one of the people that Mitch McConnell is talking about when he derides these poor quality candidates, you know, well, not having experience. He's obviously an incredible football player. Um, knows the yeah, state. He also, he also but, ran a business, too. I mean, you know, Warnock was a no, preacher. Not, I mean, you know, they all have person, different backgrounds. But, hey, you know, you look at someone like Fetterman, he lived with his parents till he was like, what, 50? And, and he and, was the mayor of Braddock. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, all right. Jessica Tarloff, thank you so much for being on the, uh, on the show today. I'm sure I'll see you yeah. later today. Uh, but in any event, uh, thanks for sharing your expertise with us. Jessica Tarloff, thanks, thanks so much. Pleasure. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, up next on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will gavel out with my closing argument. It's the Judge Janine Show. It's the Judge Janine Show. The Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Okay, now it's time for me to gavel out with my closing argument. So, John Fetterman gets elected. United States Senator in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Do you believe it? I don't believe it. This man is about as ideologically left as anyone in Congress. He's probably to the left of Bernie Sanders. He is now a United States Senator. Forget the fact that he can't put a sentence together. All right? And and, and I understand he had a stroke, but maybe this wasn't the time for him to run. You know, maybe he should be taking care of himself as opposed to being someone who's going out there and, and not willing to show his medical records. So he beats Mehmet Oz. Mehmet Oz, smart guy, you know, ran a decent campaign, but Pennsylvania wanted Fetterman. Do you know that Fetterman is a guy who believes in decarceration? He believes in releasing people who've been convicted of murder early, He believes in mercies for murderers. He believes in paroling cop killers and has done that repeatedly when he was on the parole board. This guy is a leftist, a leftist, and an anti-victim proponent. God help us in America with people like this in the Senate. You know, they said it was going to be a red wave, a red tsunami, and I said in my opening it was more like a red undercurrent. We still have the same problems we had before the election. Economy, inflation, 75% of the public thinking the country's going in the wrong direction. Crime, crime being the number one issue in New York. And as it relates to crime, I've got a couple of thoughts. You've heard Lee Zeldin, candidate for governor, former congressman, on this show. He was and is an extremely competent fighter for New Yorkers. He did not beat Kathy Hochul. But I must tell you, what Lee Zeldin did was something that I don't think any Republican did anywhere else in the country. And that is he dragged, because of his numbers being so high, congressional candidates in New York who were Republican across the finish line. And so New York as well as the country, owes a debt of gratitude to Lee Zeldin, the man who fought the fight, who made it personal, 
who made us realize what's going on in the state of New York and what we need to do to make it safe. But he didn't win. He didn't win the governorship. We are now left with Kathy Hochul, who, you know what I think of her? I think the woman is inept, incompetent. She said she doesn't understand. She said during the uh, election, understand why Zeldin is so concerned about crime. You know, the fact that some gang members were shooting each other in his front yard while his girls were inside studying, or the fact that someone came up on stage to assault him, was all pretty close, Kathy. But Kathy Hochul will do nothing for cashless bail. She will do nothing to turn around that statute and put criminals who need to be in jail, who need to remain away from the public. She will just continue with the policies and talk the talk. It's a sad commentary, but I think what we saw was a real leader in Lee Zeldin. And I hope that Lee Zeldin will continue to think about public office and will continue to fight for New Yorkers. Uh, unfortunately, the numbers in New York City just weren't there, and he didn't make the 30%. So next week, we'll hopefully have some better numbers for you. We'll know what's going on in the Senate, whether the Senate is still a tied Senate, uh, and whether or not that race on December 6th, that election on December 6th in Georgia, will even make a difference. Uh, Or will it be the most important race in the nation in terms of the Senate and whether or not the Republicans have control? We did everything we could, folks, but it wasn't enough. We We wanted to make a difference. We wanted to make sure that Americans focused on what they wanted and what they needed. They are focused on it. They do know that the economy is out of control and gas prices and food prices and crime. But it wasn't enough to move the needle as much as we wanted. But 2024 is right around the corner. We had some big wins. And don't forget, it's very important that we continue to fight the fight. And I think we can make a difference in 2024. I can't believe we're out of time already. Make sure you join us right back here next week. Same time, same place for the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Have a great day, everyone. Take care.